Yep, very good. Uh, shall we move on to the next piece? Um, we are discussing yeah. uh, lockdowns and the pandemic. Um, so this is my piece, uh, or the piece that I'm introducing. Uh, it's in the Financial Times. It's by Wolfgang Munchau. Um, Sweden's COVID-19 experiment holds a worldwide warning. Um, so I, the main points made in here is, first of all, um, you can't compare infection rates across countries. You can't reduce COVID or the success of a country dealing with COVID down to one figure, whether that be death rates, infection rates, or so on. Um, and comparing policy responses across borders um, is impossible. I mean, it, it, there are just too many variables uh, to really say that such and such country has been a success and such a country hasn't, and that therefore whatever X country did should be followed by everyone else. Um, it's just too early, there's too many variables, and we should take a position of agnosticism. Um, and I think, you know, and he makes this point with regard to, to Sweden. I, I think, actually, before I, before I describe the article any further, I think we've all seen people either using the Sweden example as a Sweden case as an example to say, lockdown is terrible, um, you see Sweden's gotten away with it, and that's all fine. And people saying... Um, look at Sweden, they've had so many deaths, they've had way more deaths than their neighbors. That's what you do if you don't do lockdown. Um, and I think the, the Munchau's main point here is that we should avoid that sort of cherry picking. Um, and that any kind of attempt to defend your preferred uh, option based on the success or otherwise of one country or another um, will be um, kind of not really founded on anything solid it'll be based it'll just be purely subjective and i think that's right i think we, there's just too many unknowns at this stage still um and we should be agnostic this but the other and the second point um is that um well i'm, I'm going to quote directly from it the latest swedish numbers do not prove or disprove anything but before policymakers order something as extreme as another lockdown they should have had incontrovertible statistical evidence not just a bunch of numbers that feed their uh, their confirmation bias um and so i think that's that's the point what, what we there's a lot that we don't know but what we do know is that the lockdowns are very extreme and that their consequences are very obvious um and very negatively obvious um and i think that would more or less sum up my position um on this which is be agnostic about various policy options um but we should be critical about op options that have been taken that have been very obviously negative um I think that it's also worth highlighting an interview with uh, Tegnell, the uh, head Swedish epidemi epidemiologist who's a, a hate or love figure, depending on which way you look at things with regard to lockdown and the pandemic. Um, but he there em emphasizes a holistic public health approach. He says that Sweden's approach um, was predicated on trying to keep its healthcare system working, but also looking at public health in the broadest sense, rather than just trying to minimize, narrowly minimize COVID-19 deaths. And I think that's where you get a lot of problem. Um, and what kind of puts the lockdown in the worst light is when you when you just looking in terms of health, in terms of public health, that various other public health indicators are worse because of lockdown. And um, I think that's, that's a problem that you get where you have... Um, where you start focusing on the individual rather than uh, the population as a whole. And if you start thinking we need to reduce every single possible COVID death to a minimum, uh, ignoring all other um, health factors as well as other social factors, um, then uh, I think you've kind of greatly amplified the the, the threat of COVID. Um, so I think that the Swedish case, you know, like you could look into the details of it and say that, well, they haven't done a lockdown and their uh, figures of deaths, yes, have been higher, 
than uh, comparable countries. But at the same time, you can't compare across countries because a lot of what happened is that Sweden failed to uh, protect its care homes. And in fact, their toll model was based on protecting care homes and the vulnerable, and they kind of failed to do that. Um, so there's a, so b- before you go in swinging, going, well, Sweden's model proves such and such, I think there's so much granularity and so many details to look at that we should be fairly agnostic as as to um, as to kind of our preferred approach. No, I think, I mean, the, the, the interview that you that you mentioned, yeah, it was, it was um, I think, yeah, it was a good interview. I think that was in the FT as well. He's probably been interviewed in various places, but at this podcast, we like to stick to the, the FT, the left wing, the only left wing paper out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a number of really sort of I think you know good good points in in the article, and I think there's def is definitely the case that when you have and this is all you know across so many spheres of life, when you have one statistic or one measure, one kind of out outcome um, which becomes a goal, e.g., reducing or minimizing or even making zero the number of COVID deaths or, or new cases, then it it ceases to have any validity i mean there's there's stories and you can understand this about for example in the uk care homes recoding um deaths to make them covid related because there's a financial incentive to do this it also of course uh can be self-undermining because there are other indicators as you said the you know the serious public health consequences of lockdowns the you know mental health peak that we've probably got coming across a number of different societies so i think it's it's definitely um a corrective to say you know it's it's the the science doesn't the science won't save you it's a political decision you know as it always is what you want to do and so the i think linking the idea that you can't draw conclusions to a kind of politicization making this not just a health crisis and an economic crisis through employment but also a political crisis are you saying like what's what's the political decision going to be you can't just lean on the science um i think that's a that's a useful that's like a, a good position to take at this point in time yeah i would i mean i'd agree with um i'd agree i think with pretty much everything that you guys have both said I would no add, no correctives. You're gonna you're gonna no, you've got to issue at least I one. Leave, I leave correctives to Alex. I um I don't issue correctives. But you did correct um, his correctives. So maybe. <laughs> um, the I suppose the I mean the other thing I would add, I guess, is the in, the initial kind of the hook or the initial kind of impetus for Munchia's article is the fact that um, there seems to be no second wave for now of uh, COVID infections in Sweden. Whereas many European countries that went into lockdown, including its neighbouring countries, or had more restrictive policies than Sweden, are seeing surging rates of infection. Um, and Monika is rightly saying, like, you know, this looks positive for Sweden and the Swedish model. Um, but again, you don't want to draw um, too many, um, too much, uh, too many inferences from from these models. And I, I think that's right. Um, I suppose the implication of this kind of agnosticism is to be tentative about any kind of long-term kind of uh, conclusions that we might draw about the spread of the virus, about the about mortality associated with the virus. There was another article, I mean, just recently in the British press that they they now suspect, apparently, with good reason, that maybe um, COVID deaths have been exaggerated in the UK by 30%. COVID was present, but not responsible for death in 30 cases, in 30% of the cases which had previously been attributed to COVID. I imagine there'll be similar, perhaps, um, you know, similar uh, 
redrawing of of COVID casualties in different places in the wake of the pandemic. So we can only be tentative. And I think that means that also what he's missing, I guess, and maybe here's the corrective, is that he's kind of, um, he's appealing to rationality while while not understanding how deeply entrenched the politics of fear is um, in Western states and how deeply entrenched. It's not simply kind of a series of policy errors that could be by governments that could be, uh, or, you know, a few kind of excesses that could be subject to um, everyone becoming a bit more, um, a bit more agnostic or tentative about particular epidemiological models or data. Um, the, this is the way governments function at the moment. Um, they find it extraordinarily difficult to mobilize or rally their populations. They find it easier to issue edicts about control, to um, initiate states of emergency, to demobilize the population effectively, and great kind of theatrical displays of state power um, and um, state control. Which is, re- which is often very ineffective. I mean, I think which, the, which is why can... I said theater. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So theatrical because ineffective. Theater can be effective. So I agree with Alex there. Um, I think you're um, missing the point. So anyway, but just one more thing on the, on this is there are two things though I would maybe kind of push back against Minkow on in terms of what we can safely say. I would say, I mean, so, you know, I'd say we can be confident, it seems, even, even you know, not even a year into this, into the pandemic of a new, of a new coronavirus, that it, the mortality is among the elderly and the vulnerable. And population density seems to be a significant factor in its um, in the rapidity of its spread. Um, so I think those two things I'd say we could be, you know, um, not agnostic about. I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about trust because actually this is a, a sort of um, persistent thread throughout the the whole discussion, or rather, it should be, and maybe isn't often enough. Um, in societies like Sweden, where there actually is fairly high trust in in government, and certainly in, in relative terms, um, it means that you can have <clears throat> far more voluntary measures um, and trust that there'll be a, a large degree of adherence to them. Where there isn't such a high degree of trust, such as you know in the UK or in the US, um, you you ne- might need more uh, heavy-handed approach from government, or uh, perhaps more clear communication. It's unclear how you actually resolve that. So uh, in places where you have low trust, maybe lockdowns work better. The problem with the lockdown is that it uh, paradoxically increases mistrust. Um, and you get the sense that the, that the government is being heavy handed. Uh, and so you get the kind of, you know, morons bleeding about 5G and uh, or, or about, you know, having to wear a mask is being muzzled and all this kind of uh, crazy conspiratorial and ultimately it is being ch- ultimately it's childish conspiratorial. Well, huh? It is being it is being muzzled. It's not being conspiratorial. No, it, it's not being muzzled. It's uh, it's like a, it's a fairly low cost, uh, low, extremely low intervention public health measure uh, at a time when we know very little about the uh, about the long term consequences of the disease. So yeah, but okay, I think, so hang on, let me direct- let me finish. Let me finish. No, let me finish. Um, so so you get that you get this. You get it. Lockdown. You just said about being lock- agnostic. But let me finish. I'm, I'm because I'm describing the politics of it, not the not the. Um, Anyway, so the so lockdown increases mistrust, uh, and you have to have lockdown in, in places where you have lower trust. Uh, that mistrust then um, leads to all these kind of crazy conspiracy theories, and then you get in turn liberal technocrats commanding people, saying, "No, you must do this, you must behave," uh, and then you get this cycle of culture war, which you see probably most clearly of all in the U.S., but it, uh, some elements of it have been seen everywhere. You've had kind of far right 
protests in Germany, which have uh, wielded the same sort of uh, claims about, you know, 5G or whatever other kind of stuff. Um, so I guess the, the, the kind of worst thing about lockdown is that you get neither kind of a rational administration of things, um, as Munchau sort of wants, nor a real representation of majority interests, because you don't really get a a, a sensible challenge to lockdowns and uh, holding governments to account for things that they actually didn't do, which they could have done better, for example, rolling out more testing, tracking and tracing and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and instead, you get this absurd culture war between nutty conspiracy theorists and liberal authoritarian technocrats. Um, and I think that's a really bad outcome. So I would say, um, precisely for what you've been saying, Alex, agnosticism about masks also, I would also um, think that applies to masks. And while, you know, obviously wearing a mask isn't the same as a lockdown um, or a state of emergency, and the latter is much worse than being mandated to wear a mask, I wouldn't also dismiss wearing the government enforcement of wearing a mask as something trivial um, and trivial and uh, kind of, you know, uh, without, as if it has no cost. And it's not just that it's an inconvenience or the fact... I don't know that it is trivial because um, the idea that you go out into a world where um, people are, you know, um, kind of uh, covering up their faces and um, it generally makes communication more difficult and everyone is expected to, if you know, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a symbolic signaling of the fact that everyone is a mutual threat to each other. Uh, but this I cultural, is, I, I don't buy, I mean, this cultural reading, culturalist reading, the reason mask the culture, wearing is completely, let me, is completely let me finish, the point let when me you're finish, in the middle of a let pandemic. Me let me finish, because I think it is valid, precisely because, as you said, being agnostic about the data and the epidemiology of all this is merited at this particular point. So, like I said, I think obviously lockdown and state of emergencies are infinitely worse than mandates to wear a mask. But at the same time, I wouldn't trivia make it seem as if um, wearing a mask is nothing, and it's uh, you know something that can be take, taken upon lightly because mm. it comes without a cost. I don't agree with that. So just just two quick points on 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 this. The first is that in terms of agnosticism, I mean I don't know what to think. <laughs> Sorry, um, and there's just return to the. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, and I guess the more substantive point to return it to the article a, a little bit is that in looking to Sweden there's an interesting parallel with the late 1950s British New Left who were who were very interested or there was a discussion around Sweden as this kind of um, potential model social democratic model um, but it was like okay Sweden's really good it's got all this high standard of living but there's loads of suicides so it's like Sweden is yet again this this mixed picture that um, people are looking towards for some some potential guidance. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, just a final point. I mean, I think we don't know how long the vaccine will be. And there's some even estimation that it might be t three years until it uh, is fully rolled out around the world. So we need to find a way to live with COVID. Um, and therefore, lockdowns are obviously not a solution. Lockdowns maybe were a reasonable last ditch solution to avoid health services being overwhelmed right at the kind of initial peak. But uh, I think the kind of selective application of the lockdowns here and there is just not feasible. Um, it's not a feasible way to run society to people, for people to run businesses and or anything else. So I think that's we're just going to have to learn to live with it. Um, at the same time, there's many things that we don't know. We that we don't know if there is herd immunity. There's some suggestion that people can recatch COVID, although on the second time it seems to be less 
serious than the first time round. Um, but of course, if you were put on a ventilator the first time round and, and survived, then um, what's a step down from being on a ventilator? Still a very severe um, flu. Uh, and secondly, we don't know the long-term effects of it. I, there's people who were even asymptomatic who had serious uh, damage to their heart, to other organs, and so on. There's just a lot that we don't know, and it potentially is a very, very bad uh, disease to catch, even if you didn't suffer particularly badly from the flu that you got from it. Um, with all that in mind, I think, you know, yes, we should be agnostic, but, um, you know, to the extent that we think masks might work to prevent its spread, I think it's worth being precautionary there. Not that it's no risk, uh, masks are ex- extremely annoying to wear, but in the context of a pandemic, um, I think it's a fairly again, relatively low cost kind of measure um, to take, especially if we are going to have to live with the live with this thing for a long time. Lockdown and the long term consequences again, I mean, you know, it's essentially anecdotal stories are emerging in the midst of millions and millions and millions of people who've had COVID and recovered. So again, you know, I think we have to be agnostic about it. And it might be um, that the people who have long term consequences might be um, there might be, uh, you know, there might be something that they have, um, some kind of propensity for um, uh, the COVID, which is, uh, you know, kind of exacerbating other health conditions or whatever it might be. So, again, I think we have to be agnostic. One thing I think that is good, perhaps, is um, that there has been more um, among kind of certain supporters of the lockdown left, there has been more skepticism towards the lockdown. And recently there was a debate in Jacobin where um, they had somebody, uh, a medic of some kind, I can't remember if they were Yeah, two, two epidemiologists. epidemiologists. It came out oh, yesterday right, yeah. on the 19th of September, yeah. It's a good piece, yeah. we actually could have discussed that one, but uh, it maybe came out a bit too late for us to discuss, but uh, yeah, we may be included in the show notes as well. A bit too fresh, but one of the epidemiologists, epidemiologists is arguing very clearly that the policy of lockdown was, um, you know, kind of effectively a remarkable attack on um, the working class in favour of those in favour of the middle class, i.e. those who are more able to work from home and to self-isolate, having more space and uh, resources and capacity to do so. Um, and I think that um, that kind of, uh, that, that is being seen by some on the left and indeed Jacobin, which has been more of a supporter of lockdown, is perhaps there's a breakthrough of light um, through the miasma of all the um, all the controversy over lockdown. Yeah, indeed. Oh, um, just... Just, just one really final point, which is not related to the article, but I did hear, I, I, I learned a little bit about the vaccine uh, in development, and it sounds really cool. Basically, it takes a uh, takes something similar. I don't, maybe people already know this, but it takes like a chimpanzee-related kind of flu main bit, and then somehow gets the crown of the coronavirus and puts that round the, the the middle bit obviously not not being a scientist I, I can't explain this except gesturing towards amino acids and and that sort of thing um but it's quite cool actually and i think um yeah it's it's uh, a, a good use of use of technology and it just i mean i think that will be the next uh well maybe when we do the next one of these we'll be talking about about vaccines and anti-vaxxers and all this sort of thing um but yeah it's just a, a combination of uh, a coronavirus out a bit with a chimpanzee flu in a bit it's quite cool all right uh thanks for that george Now let's move on.